We are going to be learning Lekut Sichis Chelik Yudchas, the third Sichah of Parshas Balak. At the end of this week's Parsha, the uh, Jewish men get involved with the Minyanite woman. And because of that, uh, they also do a Vaidazar with them, with a Vaidazar called Pa'ar. Hashem brings a plague upon the nation and tells Moshe Rabbeinu that he has to judge all the guilty parties and hang them. The Shevet of Shimon goes to their leader, Zimri, and tells them, please protect us. They were about to be judged to be killed. So Zimri goes to Moshe Rabbeinu and he brings Cosby Basur with him. And he tells Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, Cosby Basur was a Midianite princess. And he asks, is this woman mutter, is she mutaris or sura? Is she permitted to me or is she prohibited? And if you tell me that she's a sura, then Bas Yisrael mihatir lach. You married Tzipira, the daughter of Yisrael. She's also from Midian. So how are you able to be married to her? The story continues, Moshe does not reply, but rather we know that Pinchas takes action, says that Moshe and Aaron, everybody were so tumult, and says Pinchas takes action and um, tells Moshe Rabbeinu, don't we have this rule of Kanaim Paigenbai? And then, of course, Pinchas goes and kills them. So the question, of course, is what is the answer to, to Zimri's Taina? So we find in the Mephorshim two general approaches. Uh, the first, first approach is the approach of Rashi in the Gemara in Sanhedrin Pei Beis. This is the sugya in Sanhedrin Pei Beis. This is the sugya of Zimri and Pinchas and that whole Misa. So, the more, so Rashi tells us over there that before Matan Torah, actually, let me read to you the actual Lashon of Rashi. It's going to be relevant for later on in the Sicha. So Rashi tells us, Moshe Kedem Matan Torah Nasa, Moshe Rabbeinu married her before Matan Torah, and before, when the Torah was given, they were all B'nai And they all came into the obligation of fulfilling the mitzvahs, and she was with them. In other words, before Mountain Torah, there was no Isser of Moshe being married to Bas Yisrael because everybody was B'nai And after Mountain Torah, they were all converted. They all became Gerim after Mountain Torah. Then, of course, they would be able to marry each other. So this is the first approach to answer the question is that they all became Gerim, and therefore she was a Yid, and of course he was able to marry her. The second approach is, is going to be based on the premise that even if Sepira was not a Yid, Moshe Rabbeinu still would have been permitted. Meaning regardless if she was Magai or not, there still would have been a permission for them to get married. So this is the explanation that the Yad Ramah gives. So the Yad Ramah says, says like this. He says that when that when the Torah was given, there was, the, there was a chiddush in the halach, and only from now and onwards will, will she become a surah to Moshe Rabbeinu. So what happened is that since, the Rabbi Mas is trying to explain that since they got married before Matan Torah, so therefore when they got married, they got married behater, and there and only at Matan Torah was that marriage considered prohibited. So since at the time of uh, when they got married, this was something which they were permitted to do, therefore even when Matan Torah came and an Isser was Nishadish, the Isser would only be Nishadish for any new marriages would happen. But any marriage would happen early in the Matan Torah, they were able to keep. Uh, Ramanach and Kasha, the Torah Shlema, explains this, uh, this, this Yad Raman in more detail. Um, first of all, he gives a proof for this idea where we see this concept earlier. Uh, there's a Shiloh that's asked. That, uh, we know that Avram Avin was Makaim the entire Torah, even before it was given. So, Ebezoi, how is he allowed to marry Hagar? Hagar was the daughter of Pare. She was a, mitzri, a Mitzris. The rule is that you, a, a Mitzri uh, convert is not allowed to be, get married to a regular Jew for three generations. So Hagar was the first generation convert. So how was Avram Avinu able to get married? So Masha explains 
that Avram Avinu only started keeping the entire Torah when, when he had the Brismila at the age of 99. He got married to Hagar before that period of time. When he got married to Hagar, there was a mitzvah that was given to, to, uh, to Adam Arishan, that, that you're supposed to become attached to your wife and become one flesh. So since there was a mitzvah of marriage of Vedavik Bi'ishtai, so once he got married to her, they already had a union. There was a mitzvah for them to stay together. So even when he reached the age of 99, and then he started fulfilling all the mitzvahs, but since he had the mitzvah, since he already had this mitzvah of Dava Bi'ishtai, therefore the mitzvah remained, and he did not divorce her, because the mitzvah was to stay, uh, remained. So he says a similar concept is by Matan Taira. Since Moshe Rabbeinu married Sipaira, mitzah the mitzvah of Adavak Bi'ishtai, so even when Matan Taira came, and now there would, would be an iser for a person to get married to a non-Jew, but the mitzvah of Adavak Bi'ishtai, which he already was Mekayim and, is, uh, and he's already fulfilling, um, continued even after Matan Taira, and therefore he was, uh, was not, it was not, Pairish did not have to separate from her. On the contrary, he should stay with her because of the mitzvah of the Davik Ishtai continued even after uh, Matan Taira. So that explains that the, uh, the marriage that they had before Matan Taira was a marriage which was a mitzvah. There was a true mitzvah type of marriage and therefore it remains even after Matan Taira and it was a good thing for him to stay married. So according to this approach of the Yad Rameh, this is based on the idea that even if Tzipayra did not become a Giyaris, she still would have been mitzvah because of this mitzvah, uh, again, with the explanation of Menachem Kasher, because of the idea of Adavah Ishtai, since they got married Beheter, and it was even a mitzvah for them to get married, therefore it continued even after Matan Taira. We find the Rebbe brings our five, some similar, other Mephorshim say similar idea. He brings the Yalkar Uveni. Yalkar Uveni, brings both ideas. He says, he, first of all, he says the idea of and then he says, she was also Megayar, meaning he's bringing both ideas, both of the Yad Rameh and Rashi. So he says it as two Purushim, that first of all, she would have been permitted anyways because and anyways, she was already Megayar, so you know, it's not an issue. The Yaivitz uh, gives a different approach. It's actually probably a synthesis of Rashi and the Yad Rameh, but it's still going with this, I'm putting it as the second category of no gear because that's his main point. He says is that before the Torah is given, there's, there's no concept of a gear. It's impossible. He says, Geras means uh, converting to Yiddishkeit. He says, there was no religion of Yiddishkeit. The, the, the Yiddishkeit only began at the moment of Matan Torah. So since Sipaira and all the other Yidin became Yidin at the same time, that wasn't a conversion from uh, converting to, to, to Yiddishkeit. That was the creation of Yiddishkeit at that moment of time. Therefore, they didn't have the gather of Gerim, they had the gather of, you know, the founders of the, of the religion. They had the Shem Yisrael. They were the founders of this particular religion. Therefore, she became a Yid just like everybody else. So this is very similar to Rashi's approach, uh, you know, that she became a Ger at the same time as everybody else. But the Deik over here is, he says, it's not inside the Indian of Geris. It's actually because they all became Yidin, full Yidin at the same time. And we're going to see there's a very big Nafkamina if uh, Tzipayra would have had the gather of a ger, like Rashi saying in Sanhedrin, or if it would have been a shame Yisrael, like the Yaivetz is saying. Um, the Rebbe also brings, uh, quotes our Rashi again, and he, and he says like this, he says, it's mash maktsas from Rashi, from the Lashon of Rashi, that when he says, that Rashi breaks up, the, the, breaks the, the Yid into two categories. He said they, it says that 
Tzipor entered with all of them into the Kalal of Mitzvahs. And also there were many Erev Rav that were... Uh, that came with them, and also many converts of the Erev Rav, which implies that, the, that there was the idea of, a, of an actual conversion, which was by the Erev Rav, while there was this other concept which, of the Yidim, which they came the Chlal Mitzvah. So there's the idea of the Gerim, which is Erev Rav, like a regular Geris by Erev Rav, and then there's this concept of, of coming into the Chlal Mitzvah, and Tzipayur was part of that category. So it, it's Mash Maksas, and we're going to get back to this Rashi much la- later in the Sicha, because even from Rashi, it's a, it's a somewhat mashma this concept of the yivitz that um, that there what there, that there's a there's an union of garis like we always have and then there's the union of becoming a yid coming part of the mitzvahs. Um, so Ibazai, even according to the Rashi, maybe we can say this concept that Tzipayr was actually not a giyiris, rather she was just like a regular yid who became a yid at the time of Matan Uh But the Rebbe says we can't say this. He says first of all. We have many, he says, in addition to that, there are many Gemaras that tell us that the Yidin were Gerim. It tells us in the Gemara that the Yidin had Gerus through three acts. They had a Brismila in Mitzrayim, then they had, uh, went to Mikvah before Mount Tyra, and they also brought a carbon. And for that, we learned that for all future generations, every Ger needs to have these three things, which is Mila, Tfila, and bringing a carbon. Nowadays, we don't bring the carbon, we do Mila and Tfila. But we, it, the point is, we see clearly in the Gemara that all the Yidin definitely had this concept of ger, Geris. So I believe this, this answer of the Yaivitz that there it was no concept of Geris doesn't fit with the Gemara, because the Gemara is clearly saying there was this concept of Geris. And even more than that, the Rebbe says, Noisif on this thing, Sipaira couldn't have been part of the Klal Yisrael anyways. As we mentioned from Rashi, he Iman, that she was kind of part of this idea of becoming Yid, he says that wouldn't have been, for sure wouldn't have been true for Tzipayur, because first of all, she wasn't from the Bnei Avram Yitzchak, Yaakov. she came from Yisrael. So even if you want to say that the Yidin, by Matan Terror, were able to, you know, the Bnei Avram Yitzchak were able to become like their own, they, they became uh, like their own religion at that moment of, in time, that whoever was from the descendants of the Avram Yitzchak, Yaakov, they became their own religion, but she wasn't part of that, she wasn't one of those descendants. So she should have been just like the heir of Rav, right? And more than that, this is his main point, she actually wasn't in Mitzrayim when that Eschal Sageris began. So how can you say that, that Tzipayr was with them uh, when they would have become mitzvah, when they would have become Yidin, because he nichnas the chlam mitzvahs, but she wasn't even with them in Mitzrayim when this whole process began. And she only came, as we know, later on, once they're ready in the desert. So Ebezoi, um, she couldn't have become a Yid through that particular process. Elamai, she would have had to have a regular Geras. So therefore, the Rebbe is not satisfied with this approach of the Yaivitz and also the Mashma, Molash, and Rashi, Ktsas, that there was these two forms of Geras and, and you know, the regular and then the, 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 the coming of a religion by the Yidin because we see clearly, first of all, all the Yidin had Geras. And either way, Tzipayr could not have been part of whatever the Yidin did. If you want to say it was a special type of Geras that the Yidin had, she couldn't have been part of that because she wasn't with them anyways and she wasn't from the same lineage. And the Rebbe finishes off this hour by bringing a Gilyoin Hashas, a Gilyoin Hashas from Ibiyas of Engel, who asks a question directly on the Yad Rameh. The questions we've been asking is really only on the Yaivitz and that Mashma Melash and Rashi Ksas. Uh, but the, on the Yad Rameh, he wanted to say, remember, that Sipar wasn't a Yid at all. And the only reason why Moshe was able to remain married to her was because 
they, she was grandfathered in, that since they were married before Mount Tair, he was able to re- remain married to her afterwards because Nitna Tair and Ischat Sholach was only Mekan Al-Haba. So Leon Hesha says, Pshita, he says, Pshita Shin Tzarech in Gadol, on the Yad Rameh, because Pshita Shin is Gairat. Obvious that she was, conver- that she converted. And why is it, he doesn't explain why it's obvious that she's converted, but Papashtas, you know, why wouldn't if she have converted? You're saying that, you know, if she wouldn't have been automatically become a Yid like everybody else, then of course she would have just converted. She was going to remain a, a Goya her life. We know Yisrael converted. We know her children, obviously. But Moshe, I'm assuming Gershom and Allah, of course, would have converted at some point, at that point of time also. So why would Tzapayron have remained a Goya and come up to this idea of Nitnatern Ischat Shalacha? It doesn't make so, no sense. Of course Tzapayron would have wanted to become a Yid like everybody else, but Pashtis. So Ebezoi, and once you're saying that she was in Nizgaira, then Moshe Rabbein was anyways permitted to her. And, and then we go back to the original answer we had from Rashi, that since she was a Gairis, that therefore Moshe was able to marry her. Um, and the Rebbe, then, and the Rebbe Yosef Engel leaves that as Sarachin Gadol on the Yad Rameh, because Bepashtis, we, we don't need to come to that uh, concept. But as mentioned before, we, we saw the Alka Raveni, he brings both of them, meaning is he wants to say maybe there's two points. There's point one, that even, like theoretically, even if she wouldn't have gotten married, it still would have been permitted for Maish Rebbeinu. And then there's an additional point, uh, you know, she was Gyeris anyways. You know, the Yad Ramad doesn't say that, but we see uh, at least the concept of the Yad Ramad. So these are the, the general two approaches. One approach is that she literally became a Gyeris. The other approach is, uh, like the Yavis Yad Ramad, is that she never, either the Yad Ramad, as he says, uh, she remained uh, a Gaia, or according to the Yavis, she was just a regular Yisrael. Okay, and we'll see why this makes a, a very big difference in a moment. So th- the question of the Sikha is going to be, we're going to be focusing mostly on the shot of Rashi, uh, is why, what was Zimri's question? You know, according to Rashi, we're basically saying that uh, Bas Yisr was a Giyaris, so Moshe was permitted to marry her. So I was like, what was even the Havamina of Zimri? It, it seems like a very obvious difference between Bas Yisrei and uh, Midianite Zaina. The Midianite Zaina and they never converted, they're doing a Vaidazar with them, they're not married. It, 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 so, of course, that was an Isser what they were doing. While Bas Yisrael was a Giyaris, so of course Moshe Rabbeinu could marry her. Like, what's, what was the, even the question of Zimri? And of course, why doesn't Moshe just answer him? Like, oh, she was a Giyaris, I was a lot of her. Very Pasha to answer. Uh, some of Horshin want to say that maybe we, we know that the Gemara, the Gemara tells us, the Medrash tells us, that when Zimri came with Cosby in front of Moshe Rabbeinu, this there was like this big tumult, this confusion, and this so maybe it was this distinction between Basisra and a regular Midianite girl, that was the distinction he forgot. But it's very hard to say that, because Rashi tells us clearly what the halacha was that he forgot. He forgot the halacha of Kanaim Paigenbay. That was the halacha he forgot, not the halacha of this distinction. And furthermore, it seems like a very... It's hard to imagine that Moshe would have been hidden this very, very obvious type of distinction between a Giyaris and a daughter of Midian who is a Zaina who's doing a Vaidazara with the Yidin. It seems like a very obvious distinction. Um, so it's hard to say that that's what was Nisalem Emenu. And furthermore, even if it was Nisalem from Moshe Rabbeinu, what was Zimri's Havamina? Zimri could have obviously have figured out what the difference is. Why would he have come with such a horrible question? So LMI, uh, th- this would not be a solution. Um, so the question, so Papashas, what happened was, Moshe Rabbeinu never actually responded to Zimri. So we have to understand, A, what was Zimri's having me to ask such a question? What was he really asking? And B, why doesn't Moshe Rabbeinu respond? 
So the explanation is that Zimri was asking somewhat of a different question. We, we have an alacha that a koyin is not allowed to marry a giyiris. So if, if um, a koyin is not allowed to marry a giyiris, the shaila is, how was Moshe Rabbeinu allowed to marry Tzipayra? Tzipayra was a giyiris. We know Moshe Rabbeinu was a koyin, uh, because it tells us in the Gemara Zavachim Tukadafkov Beis, that, there's a, that Moshe Rabbeinu was a koyin. Uh, there's actually three opinions over there. So, uh, one, uh, one opinion is, that he was Rav and the Yeshimer and the Brisa, that he was a Koyin, called, he was a Koyin all of the days of his life. And only his children were Levian. But Moshe Rabbeinu was a Koyin, but his children were the ones who became Levian. The second opinion is this is the Rabbanon, that Moshe Rabbeinu was only, he was a Koyin for the seven days of Meluim. He was Meshamish Begadei Lavin for those seven days in the, uh, in, in the Mishkan. And then on the eighth day, Aaron and his children take over. But he was only meant to be a kind for those seven days. So initially it was set up that he'd be kind for seven days and afterwards be given to Aaron. But Shem Baruchai says that really Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to be a coin for all his days of his life. But because of what happened by the burning bush, that Moshe Rabbeinu was arguing with Hashem and saying, Why please send Aaron instead. Eventually Hashem tells him that Aaron's going to be the kind and you're going to be the Levi. So therefore, Moshe was only kind for those seven days, and then, as a punishment, it was taken away from him and given over to Aaron. So just to recap the three spars, according to Rav and the Yesh Emrim, um, Moshe Rabbeinu was a kind for all his days, and the punishment that he received, that he'd be a levi, it wasn't for him, but actually only his kids would be a levi. According to the Chaman, there was no punishment. He was only initially supposed to be for seven days a kain, and that was always the plan. According to Shemibayachai, the punishment, he was supposed to be a kain, and his descendants were supposed to be a kain for, forever. But he got punished, and it was taken away from him for after the Zion Yimei Meloim. But the point is, we see that Moshe Rabbeinu was definitely a kain for some period of time, either for seven days or for Kol Yomav. So the Shaila is, how could he have married Tzipayra, who was a Giyayrus? Um, so we already explained that, of course, this would not be a question on the Yad Rameh and the Yaivitz, because they're all learning that Tzipayra wasn't a Giyayrus. Uh, according to the Yad Rameh, she was literally a Goya, but it was permitted because she was already, they were already married before Mount Taira. According to the Yaivitz, she had the regular name of Yisrael. So this would not be a Shaila on those Purushim. But according to Rashi, which is the focus of this particular Sicha, that Rashi says that they became Gerim, Aibazai, how was Moshe Rabbeinu able to marry Tzipayra? She was a Giyayrus. And to give a little bit more background of where do we find that a Kayan is not allowed to marry a Giyaris? It's actually not mentioned in Torah Shabbat Chsav as one of the women he's not allowed to marry. So the Gemara tells us, this is in Yavamist Tafayin Ches, that it's based on a Pasuk in Yecheskel. That when Yecheskel in Perik Mandalit, Pasuk Chav Bezis, is telling us the halachas of Mary, uh, telling us the halachas of who a Kayan is allowed to marry. So the beginning of the Pasuk talks about a Kayan Gadol, how he's not allowed to have an Almana or a Grusha, and that the middle part of the Pasik switches to a kind of hadjud, as the Gemara there explains. And it says that that they have to take women only from the uh, from the from the virgins of the Zerah Yisrael, which the Gemara understands to mean is that they're only allowed to marry Jewish girls. So a regular kind hadjud is only allowed to marry a Yisraelis. There's actually quite a few opinions that the Gemara exactly uh, who it includes, but halacha lamaisa, it means is that her parents, she, her parents need to be yidden, or I should say she has to be, I should say she, not her parents need to be yidden, her, uh, well, she has to be born a yid, meaning is her parents were yidden, and she was born as a yid, 
So, you know, her parents could be Gerim or, 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 or Yidin who were born Yidin, but the point is that the, the parents, if they are Gerim, they have the Geder of a Gerim, they're not allowed to marry a coin. But the child would be permitted because she was born as a Jew. So a coin is only allowed to marry such an individual. And there's a machlikis, the Ram and the Ravid, exactly what is the, the reasoning for this Isser. So the Rambam explains that it's an Isser of a Zoyna. Right? The Torah tells us one of the women that a coin is not allowed to marry is a Zoyna. So Yechaskel came and tells us that a Giyoyris is in that category of a Zoyna. A Zoyna usually means a harlot, but when it comes to, in this situation, a Zoyna means, um, uh, there's, let's keep just keeping it simple. One opinion means anybody, uh, anybody a coin is not allowed, anybody that uh, a coin is, let's say, not allowed to, not allowed to get married to. It's an Isser, uh, that someone who you're not allowed to get married to, that would be considered a zaina. Um, some say it could be, a, according to one opinion, it's any iser lav, which all you didn't have. Some say it's only a iser of like Hayavi Krisis, Mrs. Bezdin, so that if you had relations with such an individual, that lady would become a, a, a zaina. For example, let's say a coin had relations with, uh, uh, or any, a Yisrael had relations, uh, let's say, with his aunt, so that aunt will now become a zayna because you're not allowed to marry your aunt. So therefore, if a coin is now not allowed to have relation, not allowed to get married to this aunt because now she becomes a zayna because she did this isser of, uh, of having relations with the nephew. That's just an example. Anyways, that would be the idea of a zayna. So, so the Rambam tells us that a gyeris is automatically part of this um, category of a zayna, and the reasoning is because they come from shtufe zima, that her lineage comes from those who are involved in zima and znus, and therefore her genealogy is not pure. Because this is, there, there's this zima, there's nus within her genealogy itself, even if she herself never did anything wrong. Like, let's say she was two years old when she converted. She obviously never did anything wrong, but nonetheless, she comes from a genealogy of those who are shdufi zima. And we know that by coin, he only is allowed to get married to individuals that have a very pure lineage, very pure genealogy, only certain types of women. So therefore, a gyeris would automatically be considered a zaina because of her genealogy, which comes from this idea of znus, and therefore should be considered a zaina. Uh, the Ravid disagrees, and the Ravid says the, the, oh, so before we get to the Ravid, so according to the Rambam, the Pasuk in Yechaskel is really just megala what a Zayna means. So Yechaskel is not coming to teach us a new din. He's just telling us that a Giyayris is part of a Zayna, which is said in the Torah. He's just, he's telling us what a Zayna is, and he's saying that Giyayris is part of that category. The Ravid disagrees, and the Ravid says that Yechaskel is actually telling us a new category, that a koyin is not has to marry a basi straw. It's also for him to marry someone who's not a basi straw. It's an iser b'fneiatzma. It's not part of the iser v'zayna. There's a special iser that a koyin is not allowed to marry someone who wasn't born a yid. And then the Rajba explains what it means is that there was halacha. There was always halacha Moshe Sinai, that a koyin was not allowed to marry giyiris. And ba yecheskel asmuchu akra came and wrote it down. And we find because we know that a navi is not allowed to be mechadish. Allah, he's not going to come up with new mitzvahs. So the question would be is, how could Yechazkel come up with this new din of a coin not being allowed to marry a Giyaris? So the answer is that Yechazkel didn't come up with a new din. This din was always around. It was always Asr from the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. It was Allah HaMosh Sinai, but Yechazkel came and just put it into a Pasuk. And we find this concept many times uh, by Yechazkel, um, you know, by the Karbanis, the Halachas of Avelos, the Halachas of, of Kayanim, that uh, the Gemara will tell us that it was always a halach, it was always a halach and just the came and put into the Pasuk. But either way, we see it both according to the uh, Rambam and according to Ravid, this is an Isser Minotaira. Um, this is an Isser Minotaira for a Koyin to 
I get married to a Gyaris. So the Shaila is, how was it possible for Moshe Rabbeinu to get married to Bas Yisrael? Moshe Rabbeinu was a Kain, according to all the opinions, either for seven days or her whole life. So how could he have got married to Tzapira? So the Sicha gives two main answers that it keeps Lamaskana Sadvarim, and then it gives a few others that work according to certain opinions, or some of them he actually upschlags. Right now we're going to first focus on the two main answers that the Rebbe gives. And then we'll go back to the other ones at the end, which are also interesting and teach us interesting halachic ideas, but that, uh, we'll go over them at the end if we have uh, enough time. So the first answer that the Rebbe brings is in Ha'ars R20. He brings it from the Safnas Paneach. So the, the Ragachavar uh, on the Sugyan Sanhedrin has an interesting question on that Rashi. She says, according to Rashi, it seems that the Yidin became Gerim at Matan Taira. But he brings many Gemars that we see that there was a concept of Geris even before Matan Taira. It, it says that Avram Avinu was the first Ger. We also know, it says in Gemar Saita, that Batya, when she was going to the Nar, so she was going to the Nar and she found, you know, Maishra Benu there in the basket. It says, why was she going to the Nar? She was actually going to be to Taival, to become a Yid. Uh, we also, it tells us in the Gemara and Yavamis, this is, uh, I believe, the Daf Memdalet, that when Hashem gave the command to Avram Avinu to uh, do the bris milah, it tells him, this, uh, this is lezarecha acharecha, this is for your children, your descendants after you. And the Gemara says, what is this telling me to teach us these words, lezarecha acharecha? It's telling us that, Moshe, that Hashem gave Avram Avinu a new command at the time of the bris milah. And he commanded him that you're not allowed to marry a shifcha or uh, Akum, Agaya, you're not allowed to marry any of these two people. So the Mar asks, why not? Why can't he marry them? So the Mar tells us because if he gets married to them, the, geni- the, the, the lineage of the children will go Holoch Basra, goes after her. So if Avram would have kids from the Shifcha or from the Avedis Kachav Mazalis, then that would be, the lineage would actually be after um, these individuals. Okay, Hagar. Mephorshim just say she probably, he freed her and uh, she converted to whatever, so it's not an issue. But as we discussed earlier, she was a uh, Gyeris of the first generation, so that wouldn't have been an issue by Hagar. But the question is, uh, so the point is though, he got a command that he's not allowed to marry any of these individuals because the child would go after their lineage, not after his lineage, because the lineage also goes after the mother. But the question is, who cares what the lineage goes after? We just finished saying that everybody is considered B'nai Noyach before Matan Taira. So what's the difference if Avram's children would have had the lineage of a Kanani or another nation or would have had the lineage of being one of his children? Everybody was B'nai Naich. And once Mat and Terah happened, they became Yidin at that point, moment of time. So who cares? So, what the, so the Raga Chavar proves from here that even before Mount and Taira, there already was this concept of, of Geras. There already was a concept of having a Shem Yisrael, being a Yid. So he says, what changed? So what exactly happened? Like, what was, the, what was the garris that the, the Gemara is talking about what happened by Matan Taira? And what was this garris that happened already by the times of Avram Avinu? So he explains based on a Rambam. The Rambam tells us that nowadays we have, as we mentioned, two parts of garris. We have the uh, Mila and we have the Tvila. So the, the question is, what happens if you have a Mila on Tuesday and then the Tvila is on Thursday, two days later? So the Raman tells us that the, 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 the Geras starts retroactively from when he goes to Mikvah, it starts retroactively already from Tuesday. 
So on Tuesday, he went to uh, went had the Mila. Thursday, he goes to Mikvah. He's not a Yid from Thursday and onwards. Rather, once he goes to Mikvah, he's retroactively a Yid already from Tuesday. Meaning is that once you start the process of Geras, you're already considered a Yid. And once you finish it, you're automatically a Yid already from the beginning. Meaning once you go to Mikvah, that means that the Tefillah itself, uh, that the Mila itself would have brought you into becoming Yid. So he says the same thing whereby the Bnei Yisrael. That the Bnei Yisrael, he says, were oimdim vakayamim, um, to be Yidin they had, uh, uh, at Matan Tyre. Since they had the Mila by, uh, inside of Mitzrayim, so once they, um, once they accepted the Torah at Har Sinai, they became Yidin the Mafreya. So he says the same thing would also have been by, uh, by, by Bas Yisrael, by Sipira and Gershom. He says because what, what, one, we know that Avram Avinu was commanded to have the mitzvah of Mila when he was 99. He has Yitzchak a year later. Sarah passes away. And then after she passes away, Avram gets married again to Hagar, who the Torah calls Keturah. And she has six children from Keturah. One of those children are Midian. And the Rambam Paskins that the, all, and you know, says clearly in the Paskins that all the kids are supposed to have a bris. So also Midian and his descendants were, had this command. Even nowadays, if we knew who they were, they'd actually have a, have a command of doing the bris milah. So Ibazai, that when, so any of the children of Midian, meaning it's Sipari or Gershom, when they had, they would have, when they accepted the Torah, since they were Makayim in the midst of a Milah, that would mean is that once the Torah would have been accepted, they would have been Megala Milsalim Afreya, that they were always Yidden from when the process of the Geras started. They were always going to be Yidden. So just like by the B'nai Avram Yitzchak that since they got the command from, once Avram Avinu got the command of Bris Milah, then once the Torah was given, it would have shown that retroactively everybody would have been considered Yidin from when the Geras stopped. So it's the Geras initially started by the times of Avram Avinu when the Mila was given. It continued throughout the generations of the people continuing the religion by getting, you know, Milas themselves. In Mitzrayim, most of the Yidin got the Mila. We, uh, and uh, Gershom got a Mila, we know from Tzipayra. And eventually, when the Torah was given, it would have been Gili Milsim afraid that these individuals were always Yidin. So Obizai, according to the Ragachavar, Tzipayra and Gershom would have been Gili Milsalim Afreya, that they were Yidin just like any of any other Yid. And that would be the explanation of why how Moshe Rabbeinu was a lot of merrier, because she wouldn't have had this uh, concept of she was a Giyiris. No, she would have been considered just like any other Yid. So Ebezoi, now it makes sense this Rashi that we mentioned at the beginning. It says, Nichnasu Lachal Mitzvis Imam, and also it says the heir of Rav came with them. Gerem Rav from the heir of Rav. Why is it two categories? So that now it makes horn to the Ragachav, it makes a lot of sense. It's because there was one concept of the B'nai Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, and I should really say B'nai Avram, anybody who was B'nai Avram who had the command of the Mila had that potential. It wasn't for any, anybody else who had a Mila. It was only from the children of Avram that had a Mila, that if they had a Mila, then it would be Gilu Milsal Nafrei that they were always Yidin. So therefore, she mine. What happened is they, only thing that happened at the third is that they finished the process of the Geras. They uh, accepted upon themselves um, to do all the mitzvahs. That's always the end of it, or beginning or end. It's part of the Geras is always to accept Hashem as your God and accept to do the mitzvahs. So once she did that, it was always, she was always going to be, that means she was always a Yid. This also, Stam just explains, just an interesting idea that the Mephoshim asked, how is Sipayur allowed to give a Mila to her son Gershom when they're on the way to Mitzrayim? Lachar, we know the rule is, a Goya is not allowed to give a bris milah. You have to actually have the command of a bris milah to give the bris milah. Therefore, a Jewish mother or a Jewish father is allowed to give the milah, but not just a Goya. So, according to what 
our explanation actually makes a lot of sense because the children of Midian did have the command of, of, um, of doing the Mila. We know that um, Tzipayur was the sixth generation from, Av- from Avram Avinu. Moshe was the seventh generation. So she actually did have the command, so therefore she was able to give the Mila to her child. Okay, either way, now we can go back and understand what the time of Zimri and Moshe, and Moshe why Moshe didn't reply. So Zimri was basically saying, Moshe Rabbeinu, you married a Geiris. <sighs> Moshe Rabbeinu's response theoretically would have been, I didn't marry a Geiris because once Matan Terra happened, it was a Gilead Milsim Afreya that Stipayr was always a Yid. All the children of Midian who did the Mila would have been a Yid Limafreya. But the reason why Maisha doesn't respond that to Yisrael is because we have, we know there's a halacha that a Rav who's Mayra Allah is not allowed to um, tell us a tradition that he has from his teachers in a case that he himself is an Agebedav, that he himself is involved in. So you can't say when he's in the middle of a court case that, he, that, that he's one of the, you know, the defendants, that, oh, this is the tradition I received from my, from my Rebbeim, you know, uh, that th- th- this is the din. So over here, since there was something that was going on between him and Zimri, he couldn't have said at that moment of time that the way how the Geras would work is a Gilim Yislam Afreya. So Yisra, uh, Zimri obviously did not know about this concept. Uh, therefore, he had his question. She's, uh, you know, she's a Giyaris, you're a kind, you're not allowed to get married. Moshe couldn't respond to him. Yes, she, she's actually not a Giyaris. She's actually a Gilim Yosem afraid because he would have been a Giyabadav or this would have been a new din, a new idea that he was teaching at that moment in time. Then he wouldn't have been believed to teach a za concept at that moment of time. So that is the first answer that the Rebbe gives. The second answer, this is the answer in the Pnim of the Sicha, is based... Uh, also on uh, a Mishnah on the sixth parak of Yuvamis, the Mishnah tells us uh, regarding a Kayin Hajit. So the Lacha is that a Kayin Hajit is, al- is allowed to get married to a widow, but he's not allowed to get married to a divorcee. A Kayin Gadol is not allowed to mar- get married to a Mana or a Grushi. He can't get married to a divorcee or someone who's widowed. So the Shaila is what happens if a Kayin Gadol uh, has the Kedushin, the, sorry, a Kayin Hajit has the Kedushin while he's a kain hedjit to an almana, so a regular kain hedjit goes and uh, makes an engagement, makes a condition to a talmana, and then he's appointed as kain gadol. So the question is, could he finish the nisuin, the second part of marriage, the nisuin, after he becomes a kain gadol or not? So the Mishnah tells us he's permitted to do that, and the Gemara explains because it's based on the pasuk of what it says by kain gadol, that it says by the kain gadol that ki yikach, and the Gemara tells us that this word, Yikach Isha, it's extra. And it's coming to teach us that as long as the Kicha was Beheter, meaning the Kicha means the Kedushin, as long as the Kedushin was Beheter, that um, the Koyin was allowed to do the Kedushin to a particular woman, then even if he becomes Koyin Gadol afterwards, he's able to finish the Nesuin. So Kicha means that as long as he took a Beheter, he's able to finish the Nesuin. So this is an interesting din by a Koyin, that we see that whenever he's Taking, uh, uh, he's making a kedushin with a woman as long as she's mutter at that moment of time, he's allowed to stay, finish the marriage and stay married to her. So by Moshe Rabbeinu, it's a kol shkein v'kavachaymer because Moshe Rabbeinu, he got mar- had the kedushin and the nusuyin with Sipayar before Matan Torah. So Ebezai, he was completely mutter. Not only was the kedushin done behater, the Nisun was done behater, and we just finished saying that a Koyin, Moshe Rebbeinu was considered a Koyin, that a Koyin who does the Kedushin, and for sure if he does the Kedushin and the Nisun behater, then he's allowed to stay married uh, to that woman 
uh, even afterwards, once he becomes a kind gadol, once the dinim change. Okay? And, and the truth is that this din, about if you get married beheter, you're allowed to stay married even if uh, the halachas change, is something which is true even theoretically by a regular Yisrael. So what's, what's the case? The Taisvist tells us, um, tells us an interesting situation. So the Gemara tells us that um, by regarding the lachas of Yibam, the lachas of Yibam are that if a, if, a, if, a, if a husband dies without any children from his wife, then they, uh, one of the brothers is supposed to get married to uh, his wife and have children from her. That's called Yibam. So the rule is that Yibam can only happen if, if, if she would be someone that the brothers are allowed to get married to, meaning if there's no other Isser. He's not one of the Arois that the Torah mentions, the Isser Lavis. Of course, it can't be one of the Arois that he's not allowed to get married to, but if it is, then he cannot do Yibam. Smar so asks, why not? We have a rule, Yavay Asev Yitcha So we have an Asay to have the mitzvah of Yibam. There's a Loisa say not to marry these types of women. So Yavay Asev Yitcha say, and he should be able to get married. So Mar tells us because the mitzvah would have only be the Bia Rishayna. So the Bia Rishayna, when he first comes upon her, would be a mitzvah. But from then onwards, he wouldn't be allowed to come upon her. Therefore, he cannot do the mitzvah of Yibam. Because he's supposed to be like to Elisha, supposed to be a wife for him forever, and he, and he can only do one beer, so that's not, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be able to fulfill uh, the obligation. So Teisvis asks, wait a second. We learned later on in the Gemara that as long, we see by the Kain Hajit, uh, that as long as the Kedushan is done Beheter, meaning as if they have a Kedushan Beheter, then you're allowed to stay married. Not even allowed to stay married, you're even allowed to finish the Nisuin. So if you get, if you, as long as the kedushin was done by Hatha, you can have the nisun, you can get married. So Ibazahi says, also by the Yibam, since we have this din of Yavay Asav say, so even if there's an Isr Lav, but nonetheless, once the, the Yavam comes upon the Yavama, since he's allowed to come upon her Beheter, because Yavay Asav, because the idea of Yavay Asav say, so once he comes upon her Beheter and he gets married to her, the rule is, if you get married Beheter, you can stay married. So I believe the same thing should be over here. Once she got married, the Yavim, the Yavim got married, they should be able to stay married. So Teisvis says, and Teisvis explains that over there, it's just talking about um, uh, if the Kedushan was done, Behater. So he says, but for Nesuin, they didn't even need a Pasuk to tell us that that's permitted by Nesuin, because that's obvious. So that you only needed a Pasuk to tell us that even if the Kedushan was done Behater, you're able to finish it off. But if the whole thing was Behater, he says, you won't even need a Pasuk to teach us. That's how obvious uh, that, that this would have been. So he explains the reason why it doesn't work by Yavam and Yavama is because it's when he, the Yavam comes upon the Yavama, it's not a Hatter Gummer. It's Yavay Asevi Yitcha. It pushes away. Yitcha means it pushes away the Laisase. Meaning is there is a Laisase for him to get married to her, but the Asay comes and pushes it away. But the Gemara says later on that the, what, from the words, Vikach Isha teaches us that if the marriage was Beheter, you're able to stay married forever. Uh, that's only if it was a complete hatter. Masha'inkan over here, there is still Issa which is being pushed away. But the point is, what we're seeing from all this is that by Koyen, and even theoretically by Yisrael, as long as the Kedushan, and for sure if the Kedushan and the Nusun were done by hatter, you're able to stay married. So El same thing by Moshe and Bas Yisrael. Since Moshe got married to her, the hatter, therefore he's able to stay married to her even after Matan Torah when he would have became a Koyen, Koyen Gadol. So he became, let's say, Koyen Gadol after Matan Torah, fine, but... Uh, that was something that changed in his situation, uh, and therefore he could stay married. Uh, the only problem with this is, is that Lechaira, we have a din, that a gershin is gaya, that a ger that converts with his wife, the rule is they actually have to get remarried. So 
even if you want to say that uh, they were married before Matan Tyra, and that's why they can stay married. But the truth is that marriage would have been nullified by Matan Tyra, and they would have had to get remarried anyways, just like any other Geir and Geiris would have had to have gotten remarried. So once, so the question still comes back, how can Moshe Rabbeinu, after Matan Tyra, get married to Bas Yisroi? And Matan Tyra, according to the least opinion of Rav, he was a coin for all of his days. This means already from the time of uh, uh, Matan Tyra. The other opinions, it says he was only a coin for those seven days. You can just say, uh, you know, he got married right after Matan Tyra. And by the time they made the Mishkan a year later, you know, that, he, he would have already been married to her. But according to Rad, that he was a coin for Kol Yamav, how could he have gotten married to her again? She's a Giyayris. So the Rebbe t- tells us a int- very interesting idea. It says in the Gemara and Saita that when Pyre was geyser on that the boys should be thrown into the, to the, the Nilos, it says that Avram went and got divorced. So his daughter Miriam comes to him. It says that your gezer is even worse than Pyre's because Pyre was only geyser that the boys should be killed, but you're being geyser that the boys and the girls should be killed because since you're not married and everyone else got divorced at the same time as Amram, Therefore, there won't be any Jewish kids. So the Mar tells us that he went and did Maiselukuchin with Yochavan, that he got married to her with a Maiselukuchin. So, what is this Maiselukuchin? So, the Maiselukuchin is the mitzvah of Kedushin and Asun like we have after Matan Torah. How do we, we know this? Because the Rambam tells us in Hilchas Molach and Perak Tesalach al Aleph that he goes through the history of when the Yidin got different mitzvahs. And it says that when um, Amram in Mitzrayim was Nestava, got commanded with mitzvah siseris. And the Mephorshim say, what are the mitzvah siseris? So they say is one of them is the mitzvah to have a proper Yiddish marriage. So that means this, from the time of Amram and later, they already had the mitzvah of of, of, of uh, Kedushan and Nesuin. So when Moshe Rabbeinu would have done the Kedushan and the Nesuin with Yocheved, uh, sorry, with um, Tzipayra, with Bas Yisra, it would have been a Torah Dika, a Torah uh, quality type of marriage, and therefore they wouldn't have had to have redone the marriage after Matan Torah like a regular Ger and Ger. So regular Ger and Gers don't have Kedushan and Nesuin. So therefore they have to do the Kedushan and Nesuin after uh, they convert, but over here, when they did a pro- when they had the mitzvah of kedushin, so therefore that mitzvah continued the kedushin the that they did before Mount would have continued even after Mount and therefore they would have been permitted to stay uh, to stay married. Stam, this also uh, answers just uh, like just a, like a general question um, is that when. Some Achorinim want to say that when the Yidin, ha, ha, once the Matan Torah happened, they want to say that all the Yidin need to have Kedushan and Nesuin. That everybody had to get married and remarried at the time of Kedushan and Nesuin. So we don't really find anywhere uh, that, that that ever happened, that the, a marriage was uh, happened. But according to this, you don't need to give such a big Kiddush that everybody, everybody had to have the new Kedushan after marriage. Rather, when the Pasuk tells us, Shuvu lechem it says that by Matan Torah there were Asba Tashmimita, but after Matan Torah, Hashem tells Moshe to tell the people, Shuvu lechem return to your tents, which implies return to your tents and return to your wives, which which is implying that they didn't need to get remarried, but rather right away they're able to return to the wives and have Tashmish. So the shot would be is because the marriage that the Yidim would have had with these women from before would have been valid even after um, Matan Torah. And this, so according to this, now we can understand the tightness of Zimri and Moshe Rabbeinu's reply. Zimri saying that how could your Kayin, how could you get married to Bas Yisrael? So Moshe Rabbeinu theoretically would have responded that since it says in the Pasuk, 
uh, by the Kain Gadol, which teaches us as long as the marriage was beheter, then you can remain married even if uh, the situation changes afterwards. That would have been Moshe Rabbeinu's response. But he couldn't have answered that to Yisrael, because as we mentioned earlier, the halacha is that a Rav who's Mayor cannot teach a new din at the, if he himself is involved in that din itself. He's using the Gebedavar. So since Moshe Rabbeinu was, of course, in the Gebedavar, he couldn't tell uh, Yisrael, uh, so he couldn't have told Zimri that the halacha is that since I got married, I had to stay married. So therefore, he couldn't answer anything. I, why didn't any of the other Yidin who knew the Salacha speak up? So Papashas, they didn't know about the Salacha. Because Kiyikach Isha is only a din, which is negate to Kahuna. So it's very probable that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't teach that to the other Yidin because it wasn't really relevant to the other Yidin. I, what about Aaron Ganav? They were Kainim, so it would have been relevant to them. So the answer would be is, they, first of all, they were relatives. So they also negate Bedavah. They're trying to defend their brother, their uncle, so he wouldn't be able to have said anything anyway. Um... And regarding, or another pshat is maybe they, this alam Muhammad Allah, they forgot about the Allah. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu only forgot one, Kanaim Pagan, but we don't know how many Allahs were in this from Aaron and Banav, so maybe that was one of them. But either way, the point is Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't able to respond because he would have been a Gebdav, so he, therefore he would not have been able to teach a new din. So these are the two uh, main explanations the Rebbe gives in the Sikha. And I'm going to leave off with the Tzarchi Sas that the Rebbe mentions. Um, on, on, on this, on, on these pshatim, which is an interesting something to think about. Uh, the shaila is that we know that um, Moshe, we, we know that Moshe Benu, it says was, uh, three things that Moshe Benu did, and Hashem was maskim with him. One of the things is he, he was parish Ishtai, he separated from his wife. Uh, the Gemara tells us it was a Kabachimer that he made that if the Yidin who are just speaking to Hashem wants thee to separate from their wives, so me who I speak to Hashem all the time, for sure I should stay separated from my wife. And Hashem agreed with him. It says, when he tells everyone else to turn to the tent, it says, Moshe Rabbeinu should stand with me. Um, Rashi al uh, uh, says it's actually what Hashem wasn't that Moshe Rabbeinu came up with the idea, that was the Gemara. According to Rashi al is that Hashem tells them that you have to stay with me and not uh, return to your wife. But either way, uh, we know that Moshe was Parish Ishtai. So some of us want to say Parish Ishtai doesn't mean he got divorced. It just means that he separated from his wife. But Rashi al tells us clearly that it was divorced because with the story of Miriam, um, telling, uh, with the story of Miriam and the Lashon Hara that Miriam was discussing with Aaron, that after Eldad and Medad were in Stab and Mamachna, Sipir said like, because since they're in Aviyam, uh, you know, their, wife, their, their husbands are going to have to separate from them. And then, Miriam tells the story over to Aaron, and she gets Saras. But the Lashon that Rashi uses over there is that she said that Moshe Rabbeinu was divorced from Tzipayr, so it was an actual divorce that happened. So if, according to Rashi, Moshe Rabbeinu was anyways divorced from Yisrael, why didn't he just tell Yisrael, why didn't he just tell Zimri that he's divorced? Meaning as Yisrael is coming with the Taina, you know, how could you get be married to Bas Yisrael, your Kayin? Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't tell him the real answer is because it says, Vika and since I got married to her, Behater, you're allowed to stay married to her. He couldn't give that because he would have been trusted, but he could have given a much easier pshat. He could have said is that Moshe Rabbeinu got divorced uh, by Matan Taira because when, when Hashem told uh, everybody to return to their tents. It says, Poyimadi, that you're supposed to stay with me, which we learn means that he got divorced from his wife. So if he did get divorced from Yisrael, all he needed to sell him was, Bas Yisrael, oh, by the way, BTW, I'm actually not married to her, I got divorced. 
and that would have resolved the entire issue. Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu just tell them, like, by the way, I'm not divorced, and, and, and that would have answered the question. So the Rebbe leaves it as Sarachi Inksas, uh, but since it's a Sarachi Inksas, maybe just to give some thoughts, and of course everyone who's listening can maybe come up with their own answers. So I was just thinking, um, first of all, that wouldn't have been totally the, 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 the truthful answer. Meaning is, Zimri's coming with Bas Yisra if he tells them that I got divorced, it's implying that in Achanam, you're right, that I wouldn't have been able to get married to Bas Yisra, and that's why I divorced her. But that's not true. He could have stayed married to Bas Yisra. The only reason he divorced her was because of this Inyan of the Vias. But Mitzad the Inyan, that she was Bas Yisra and she was a Geiris, it would have been permitted to Maisha, as we said, from the idea of Yikach Isha. So Maisha being saying, BTW, I'm divorced, maybe would have resolved this issue, but in, but in its essence, it would have been the honest answer, because the implication of the answer is that I'm not allowed to get married to her, but that, and that's why I got divorced. And I would add another point, and maybe this is even a better point, is that we know that Pinchas was the grandchild of Yisroi. And Rashi explains how is he the grandchild because his mother was the daughter of Yisroi. So Allahzer who was a Kayin, and his mother was the daughter of Yisroi. So Pinchas was from, the do- his mother was the daughter of Yisroi. So the Shaila is, how was Allahzer able to marry the daughter of Yisroi? So if Moshe Rabbeinu would have just answered and said, BTW, I actually divorced Bas Yisroi, it wouldn't have really resolved the issue because he would just point and say, yeah, but your nephew, like a Lazar, is married to ba- uh, Bas Yisrael, and uh, you didn't say anything over there, so obviously hold it's not an issue. And of course, they did stay married, so therefore maybe it wouldn't have actually resolved the issue. That's why he didn't give that answer. Okay, this will be part two of this year, which will just be a few additional answers that the Rebbe gives, but on- which would only work according to some opinions, and some were abschlag, so just to give them over uh, bekitzer. So uh, the f- some answers the Rebbe gives would only, we mentioned that Moshe was a Kain Gadol, either for seven days or his whole life. So according to the opinion that Moshe was a Kain Gadol for o- only seven days, here are some possible answers only according to that cheetah. So one answer is, is that it's possible to say that a, that Moshe Rabbeinu was actually never a, a Kain. There's a question uh, that was it's asked in the, uh, in the Gemara to Rabbi Kiva. It says, what was Moshe Rabbeinu Meshamish and how did he do the Avaida for those seven days? W- what clothing did he use? So Mara tells us he used like this white cloak. So the question is, like, why would you assume that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't just wearing Big Day Kahuna? So Taisus wants to say it's because during the seven days of the Meluyim, the Mishkan wouldn't have had a din of a Mishkan, would have just had a din of a Bama. So by the din of a Bama, there's no Big Day Kahuna by a Bama. You don't, you don't, Big Day Kahuna is only in the Mishkan or the base of Mikdash. You don't have Big Day Kahuna by a Bama. So for the Gemara is asking a question, you know, what clothes did Moshe Rabbeinu use? Because it wasn't the actual Mishkan at that point of time for those, for those seven days. So according to this answer, it's possible that Moshe Rabbeinu was, according to that one shita that he was a that he was served for those seven days, that he was actually never really a kain. Remember, there's three opinions. According to them, he for sure was a kain, either for seven days or whole life. Third opinion is that he just, you know, was did the avoid for those seven days. So maybe according to that opinion, he just did the avoid and he wasn't a kain. Um, the the Rebbe is not completely satisfied with it because the Lashon of the Gemara is that uh, that Moshe was Niskana, Moshe Rabbeinu was only Niskana for for the seven days of Meloyim. He still uses the Lashon of Niskana that he was a Koyim for those seven days. So to say that it means 
you know, Kayin in the sense that he served Hashem, but he wasn't literally a Kayin, is a little bit of a Daichik in the Lashon. But anyways, uh, that would be the answer for this one pshat. Another explanation is, is that, uh, and this one the Rebbe likes, he keeps it according to this opinion, is that the halachas of, uh, of who a Kayin is allowed to marry was actually, was said on Rosh Chedesh Nisan. Moshe Rabbeinu was Kayin, we said, for the Zayin Yemei Meluyim, which, and the eighth day of the Meluyim was Rosh Chedesh Nisan. And on the eighth day of Nisan, that's when the halachas of the Kayinim were said over, Tuma, Tara, also who he's allowed to get married to. So when Moshe Rabbeinu was a Kayin for those seven days, he actually was allowed to be married to her, because the halachas of Isser, uh, who he's allowed to marry to, would have only started Rosh Chedesh Nisan. At that point, he, he wasn't a Kayin, wasn't a Kayin, Anymore, so that would work both according to Rabbanan that he was only a kind for seven days, or even according to Rashbi, who said he was supposed to be kind his whole life, but he got punished and he was only kind for those seven days. Fine. Um, uh, another uh, answer is that the Rebbe discusses in a, in a different sicha that a kain is really made out of, out of two parts. There's the tayer of the kain, and there's also the shirus, the avoider that the kain does. Meaning is there's the concept that somebody is from the lineage of kain, and that has a certain level of kedusha. And then there's a kain that's actually able to do avoider. For example, uh, let's say a balmum. A balmum is still a kain, and therefore he's allowed to eat kachim, and he's allowed to do certain things in the base of mikdash, but he's not allowed to do avoider. Right, so he has the toyer of a kain, so he has this kedusha, but at the same time, he's not able to do shiras, uh, and that's why also in the chumash, uh, when it talks about the kain, it says the kanuli that they, you know, there were two steps for the bnei aron to become kainim. That a they were the bnei aron, they were kainim, but there was also this aspect of they had to be niskadish, you know, with the whole process of um, wearing the bikdekuna and doing a vayd in the base mikdash. That's what made them into a kain. So it says maybe, maybe the rebbe wants to say that Moshe Rabbeinu only had the toyer of a kain. So since uh, he only had a tire, that the, but he didn't actually do a vayda uh, after those seven days, so maybe he was only had this tire of a coin, but he wasn't actually a coin itself. But there was says that, and therefore he was allowed to marry uh, a gyeris. There was said that wouldn't work because a balmum also only just has a tire of a kain, and he's not allowed to do shiras. But nonetheless, um, he's not allowed to marry any of these women. So that rule wouldn't work. Uh, a fourth. Answer the Rebbe gives is, it is that it says by the halachas of, uh, of Saras, the, the Gemara tells us that that when Miriam got Saras after you know she completed it, she needed to become a kain to come and purify her. But the problem was the only kainim that we had at that time was her brother and nephews. And the halacha is that you can't have a relative to mitayir. So the question is who was mitayir. So the Gemara finishes off that it was a Shema that was Matiah her. Fine. But the, in the Havimi, the Gemara wants to say is who, who did it? So they first wanted to say Moshe. Maybe Moshe did it. Of course, Moshe was her brother, so he would have been disqualified anyways, but the Gemara always builds it up. First starts off with Moshe, uh, and says Moshe couldn't have done it because he was a Tsar. He wasn't a Kain. says Aaron Ubanov, they were related. Therefore, it must have been Hashem. But we see is that even though Moshe was a Kain, but he was still considered a Tsar for the union of Tsaras, to be able to pass him for the halachas of Tsaras. And why was that? So Rashi explains because in the Pesukim of Tzaras, it says you have to show it El Aaron HaKayin Val Banav HaKayin. So since it, start, it says El Aaron HaKayin, it's telling us that it has to be specifically Aaron HaKayin or his children to exclude Moshe Rabbeinu. Fine. So he says maybe the same thing would apply by the woman that HaKayin is not allowed to marry. That only would apply to the children of Aaron because also over there it says, um, it says uh, Kayin and Bnei Aaron. 
So since it says Kayne Bnei Yar, maybe it's only Bnei Yar and not by Moshe Rabbeinu. But the Rebbe says that wouldn't work. He says because the Diak of the Gemara is from the way how the Pasuk's written. It says, Al-Aren HaKayin, Al-Banav HaKayinim, it starts off with Aaron So by starting off with like specifying it's Aaron and, and then it says afterwards it's children is trying to tell you it's specifically that lineage, Aaron and his children. Masha Inkim in Parshas Emmerware tells us who he's allowed to get married to or not. It says it in the it just says a Kayanim uh So since it focuses on the idea that they were Kayanim, and who are the Kayanim? The Kayanim were the Bnei Aaron, you know, the descendants of Aaron. But it seems to say that the main point is it's because they're Kayanim. That's why they weren't allowed to marry these people. So Ibazai Moshe was also Kayan, uh, even for a short period of time, uh, would not have been uh, would not have been able to marry these women. So of course, uh, this answer would not work. You would not be allowed to marry Masisrei. Uh, a fifth answer, that, and this is the final one that the Rebbe tries to give is something we mentioned earlier, that there was three things that Moshe Rabbeinu did and Hashem agreed to it. One of them was that he got divorced from his wife. So he says, maybe this was the answer. Uh, Yisroi was saying, how did you get married to Bas Yisroi? Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu could have just answered, the truth is I got divorced from her. Why didn't Yisroi know that Moshe Rabbeinu was divorced? Because nobody knew. Even our, Miriam and Aaron didn't know. Moshe Rabbeinu would have got divorced already by Har, by Har Sinai, Miriam's telling Aaron what happened over a year later when they're ready in the place called Chatseris. And the only reason Miriam knew was because because Eldad Omedad was misnabim b'menachna, and she said, Oy, the same shall elu, that uh, you know, their husband's going to separate them because the Nevi'im. So that's how Miriam found it, and then she tells Aaron. So if no, even his own siblings didn't know, then obviously you know, Zimri wouldn't have known. So Zimri didn't know about that. So he's saying, hey, how, how did you get married to Bas Yisrael? And the answer Moshe Rabbeinu could have theoretically given was, yeah, actually, I'm divorced. Uh, but the Rebbe does not. And why wouldn't they have said it? You know, in you know, a nivus of a humility, like uh, keeping these things quiet. But the Rebbe says that, that that doesn't really make so much sense. He says, because why didn't, why didn't he just tell them? By the way, I'm divorced. Hashem told me, again, according to Rashi, Hashem actually tells him to get divorced. So if you didn't, you know, according to the Gemara, maybe you can say Hashem was maskim. You know, he came up with the idea, Hashem agreed with him, and, you know, the son was, he was felt it was an inya of gaiva to, you know, say something about that. Hashem agreed with my decision. But according to how Rashi learns it, that it was literally Hashem telling him to stay, to get divorced. What was the anivis over here? And the truth is, even according to either opinion, there's a whole machlaikas going on in the Yidin, and you're worried about your anivis. You know, you have to tell them, I'm actually divorced. It's not an issue. But the main issue, the main problem is because that's not really what happened. We said the reason, what does Tzipayra say? Tzipayra says the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu got divorced was because he was a Navi. Like, because now that the Navi, their husbands are going to get divorced from them. Which implies that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't get divorced because of this issue of Kahuna. So if it was just an issue of Kahuna, he actually would have stayed married. The only reason he got divorced was because of the Indian Navias. So Ibazai, the Shaila still remains. How was it permitted for Moshe Rabbeinu to stay married to Bas Yisrael? He was a Kayan. She was a Giyiris. How could he be married to her? Ah, he got divorced because of the Indian of Vuah. Fine. But we're saying if it wasn't for the Indian of Vuah, he would have been, remain, been able to remain married. Why? Why would he have been able to remain married? And therefore, as we already said, the two main answers of the Sikha earlier, those are the ones that the Rebbe keeps, uh, even the Maskana Sadvarim.